Welcome to the Become Fire podcast, a ministry of the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to learn more about this community, visit them on the web at www.becomefire.faith. That's dot F-A-I-T-H. Now, here are the Friars. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Become Fire podcast. It is Father Anthony here with Father Peter Teresa. Hello, hello, everybody. My main man and our special guest once again, Brother Paul Grobman. Hello, hello, everybody. Uh, if you listened to us last week, uh, we're talking about novels. If you didn't listen, I encourage you to listen to last week's podcast. If you didn't get a chance before listening to this one, we're on a two-part series talking about novels. Um, and we just talked about the beauty of the novel itself. We got a little bit into the Odyssey. And now this time we're just going to talk novels, some of our favorites and a little bit about the form. We are going to give the caveat, spoiler alert, we're going to be talking about novels and their endings. So um, if- Yeah, probably the endings for sure. Yeah, yeah, I I do encourage you to uh, to still listen, even sometimes before reading, uh, because I think these are the great novels that even if you know what's going to happen, they still impact your soul. Uh, But um, for those who need to read read it the first time, then you can come back and listen. Um, especially if you're a quick reader, it, give us a couple weeks. It could also be any novel as well, so it's hard to be like, like just these novels, because like sometimes you tangent. Like, yeah, so. yeah. Hey, so just spoiler alert going. for every novel that yeah. <laughs> every novel ever every written, we will spoil the next thirty minutes. No, I'm just joking. Um, okay, so I just can't be held accountable for, yeah, for spoilers. We started with the Odyssey, um, and we're I think we're going to try and do a little bit historical. I don't know exact historical uh, time frame of all of the novels we're going to talk about. <laughs> Um, but I know I'm going to get into the Romantic period. I know we talked a little bit about Dante. It yeah. is a great novel. I love. I mean, poem. I know Odyssey's sure, a poem yeah. as well. I'm, I'm the just, epics, man. The, the epics. epics. Um, that I would highly recommend, especially the Purgatorio. I think that's one that really gives you a lot of, of food for thought. Um, I'm, I'm going to get to the Romantic period. Is there any novels that guys want to mention or talk about before? And, and not there's not great novels, but do you actually want to get into with further discussion before we get to the Romantic period? I don't know. Um, no, I'm just, good. Okay. Do you want to go right to the Russians? Uh, well, let's do it. Let's start right with the Russians in the right Romantic the period. Um, so what is, so I, I'm saying Romantic period. What is the Romantic period? Okay. So uh, the Romantic period, Romanticism, was basically a, a getting back to romance, I mean, getting back to feelings, like to get back to the emotion. Um, that there was this, so the, the novel in some sense has always kind of been around, but it's, it's also, it was often, it was some epic poems like Dante, the great works were these epic poems. And, and we get into this, this kind of not new form of writing, but a form of writing that really gets expanded. Um, and really in the 1800s, we get into kind of romanticism and and the novels and, and this, this beautiful, um, kind of touching into getting to the emotion of the person, getting into the heart of person, getting into the feeling of the person and and even into the psychology of a person. Um, And and so in this period, all these great novels, these great works that come out, um, especially from the, we're going to start with the Russians from the, from uh, Russia, which produces two of the greatest authors of all all time, uh, Dostoevsky and Tolstoy. Um, And, and so I'd like to talk about a few of their novels um, and probably the most famous of Dostoevsky's is the Brothers Karamazov. Yeah. Um, um, not my. I, so now I'm going to say also my favorite of his is Crime and Punishment. Mm. Um, but I think his and maybe that might be his most famous. But uh, I want to get into a little bit about Dostoevsky and about these the some of the great novels he uh, wrote. So so the Brothers K. Um, I've I've heard it articulated that it's not as plot driven. Yeah. Where where the plot's kind of secondary to the underpinnings of of what he's what he's working out intellectually. Whereas Crime and Punishment has an awesome plot. It's like getting struck by lightning. And so I think there is a, there is a sense of like, uh, I was just saying Crime and Punishment is just an exciting book. 
not that he's not doing the same thing, but but the plot is much more substantial than even the intellectual thought uh, that he's doing within that, where it's kind of secondary. With, and he acknowledges that, actually. If you read like the first opening chapter of the book, he says, I'm kind of doing two things here. Unless you get bored with it, I'm just going to tell you up front that there's two stories here. It's very kind of him. <laughs> okay, we'll start with the brother, Brothers K. So, Brother Paul, tell me about your experience reading the Brothers K. And why is you this your favorite novel? novel? Is Brothers K your favorite novel? Oh, it's really hard to say that. Um, it's definitely up there, top three, easily. Okay. Um, I'm rereading it for the second time now, so I'm getting more out of it than I did the first time. But uh, I'm going to go back to the first time I read it, though. Um, and I remember being struck that, so their father is just a terrible person. And like he, he writes him off as that. He's like, how debauched of a person can I make? And let's make him real. And that's Freuder, yeah, right? Um, just yeah. terrible, like abandons all of his kids. Um, and at one point, one of his sons is actually going to be taken care of. And just on a whim, he decides to like, fight legally to keep him just so he can abandon him again um and just terrible it's a things. pretty terrible thing to do no, just terrible just, <laughs> and like none of the kids really know him uh, but there's a certain point as of the very beginning of the book where there's something about all three brothers end up back with the father mm-hmm. and, and uh and Dostoevsky's like kind of painting this picture of how debauched he is and even that like Alyosha pities him Yvonne uh kind of you don't really know Yvonne's relationship with his father and Dimitri hates him there's something about they come back to the father. I remember reading that. And it was during my novitiate too, but I was like, there's something about that. There's something about no matter how broken of a, of a, of a father you do have or whatever your family situation is, there's something fundamental about going back to the father. And even if, the, and then I would say, then you can correlate that then to that even, even in the experience of a bad father, that there's still a yearning for like a perfect father to go home to. Mm-hmm. Um, that's in all of us. And then obviously I would relate that back to then God the father, that. That immediately, then right off to the bat, Dostoevsky is pointing to, I would say, pointing to that truth where you can't, and also to the truth that you can't get away from your own father. And so there's a sense too, where like, yeah. you have to be able to be square with what your, what your childhood was like. Like, who was my father? What were the blessings he gave me? Um, what were the things that, that maybe weren't blessings or, you know, or things back then that were hard that I now find that are blessings. Um, and it really comes square with that. I mean, and he's really big on that, where even mm-hmm. Alyosha, who's like the perfect one, even Dimitri's like, there's, there's a part of this in you. You who are the angel, you who are above all of us, like this also lives in you. Um, and so he's really encapsulating something with that. And so, uh, Father Peter Teresa, you also consider this, what, your favorite novel or one of her favorites? Or where is yeah, it I would list? say it's, it's, it's hard to say what is the favorite. I would definitely say it's top three for me. And... Uh, I read it in my novitiate as well. And then I read it when you guys were in your novitiate with you guys. And that was a lot of fun. And uh, so I, I want you to talk about something like just first a, a subjective experience I had with the novel. And then maybe I can talk more about just maybe the more objective things about the novel. But the the Lord and I have a funny relationship with the things that I read uh, and, and preparing me for big moments in my life. So I remember when I when I was about to become a novice on my retreat, I actually read a book called A Severe Mercy, which is uh, just this unbelievable true story about this couple who are just so in love with each other. And I read that novel, and I was or I, no, I read that book, and I was like, wow, I'm I'm ready to be a religious now. <laughs> just very ironic. And I was getting ready for my my final profession as a, as a as a religious with the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit. And I was reading the Brothers K, and there's a scene where Alyosha, the the youngest son, is a is a he's a monk, he's, and he leaves the monastery. Um, he leaves, and he goes back into the world, and he has this beautiful encounter with God uh, as he's leaving, and 
and he's walking through the fields and and just sort of the heavens open and he feels totally one with the world and 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 he he just wants to weep for all of their sins and he feels one with everyone and but it was it was reading sort of the brothers Kane reading about this monk leaving the monastery that somehow I felt ready then to give my life to the monastery forever. Um, so they just had this beautiful experience of, of just kind of the Lord doing something to my heart that I don't even know what he was doing. Um, and just this really beautiful scene of, of Alyosha. If I could just interject too quick, Please, yeah. just very briefly. I'm like, don't be surprised if that happens when you read the novel. Like for sure, I've had that experience yeah. too. Many other people I, I, I've spoken to have had similar experiences where, where, where the novel will communicate to you at a super deep level and the Lord will definitely use it. To, yeah. To, In to a move. very surprising way. Yes. Very yes, surprising way. Yes. Um, and then I think the, 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 the touchstone for me, the, the, the thing that the Brothers K has really imprinted on my mind and my heart and my soul um, is is may, perhaps maybe the most famous chapter of the book and, and one of the most famous chapters in all of literature of, is the Grand Inquisitor and, and Ivan, the, the atheist intellectual brother, um, gives his critique on, on God and the church um, and why he doesn't believe. And, and what that really boils down to me, and, and this is, I actually, if you read it, this theme does run throughout the book. Where, where there is this um, this idea of, of human freedom, um, and it's this gift that God has given, and and seeing it as 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 a weight, it's too heavy, it's too oppressive, um, it's 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 wrong that God has made man free, um, and that that man doesn't want to be free, that that we want to be slaves. We want to be told what to do. Um, and that we want, and that, that the church should just take people's freedom from them and tell them what to do and, and give them bread and give them circuses and, and, and do the thing that God refuses to do and, and take their, their freedom away from them. And, and I find that to be really true in, in my life as a priest. Um, and just in my life as just, you know, as, as a human being where, where there are times where, my human freedom and, and what I can do with it. Um, and, and it's, it's hard. It's hard to be so free, um, that it's hard to be responsible for the bad decisions that That's I make right. in my life. Like I don't want to be responsible for the things that I've done. And it, it would just be easier, Lord, if you took it away from me and I was just a robot, I was a slave and I wouldn't have to be responsible anymore. And, and it's this, this deep thing, I think in every human heart, where we do, where we're afraid of it. Where we reject it, um, and 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 I think it's why people get caught up in cults and, and get caught up in and 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 narcissists and, and people want to be told people want to be told what what to do all the time and and you find that in spiritual direction. Well, Father, just tell me what to do and 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 it's and you can never take that place in someone that they have to be free. It's there's this mysterious place in every heart and every soul between a soul and God. And, and, and it's wrong for someone else to step into that place. And, um, and so that, that has left a deep impression on me of just the, just of, of Ivan's critique. Um, and then just even, even just recognizing, um, what sometimes human freedom is, where, where sometimes it's just this great gift where I get to participate with God and what he's doing. And then other times it is this really heavy weight that I wish I didn't have. And so um, I think that's something that Brothers K has really, just really just impressed upon my heart. I think Dostoevsky does an unbelievable job with that. Yeah. 
uh, this is a novel I read when I was in uh, my pastoral year. I was teaching high school. Yeah. And it, what I found so interesting was, I think Dostoevsky tricks you. I think at the beginning, he makes you think you're supposed to choose which brother you must relate to. At the end, you realize you kind of just are all three brothers yeah. in various ways. Yep. That, 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 that there's just ways in which you are all of them. Uh, and not, not perfectly, not ideally, but he's just talking about the human character, which I think he does so brilliantly. He's just per- giving these types of per- the, the, the persona types in each. And you're, you're kind of like, well, I've been like that. Mm-hmm. I've done that. I have yeah. my, I've had my hedonistic you know, aspect. I've had my, my doubting aspect. I've had my, my searching after the, 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 the mystical aspect, which, which Ivan and Dimitri and Alyosha all kind of represent in various times. And it, it's, he weaves it all together very beautifully. And he kind of, I say, kind of tricks you because you realize like, oh, he wasn't actually asking me to choose which brother. He was actually showing me how I am each of these men in different ways. I, I definitely agree with that too. Um, and I guess another thing, uh, yeah, you do find yourself in each character. It is really remarkable how Dostoevsky is able to do that. Um, and even like just reading it for the second time, like even like I'm actually like more sympathetic to Ivan this time. Like I feel like I understand him in a mm. deeper way. Um, well, and so because he, he's the one who critiques God, right? So he's the one who comes out to atheist or critique. Um, but you recognize he's pained with the question. Yes. And you recognize that even he's drawn out his philosophical conclusions where he's like, anything is permissible if we lose the immortality of the soul. And he doesn't say that in a triumphalistic manner, but he says it almost in a defeated way. And Zosima challenges him. He's like, I call you black. Or he's like, either you're the happiest man, either, like, either you're the most blessed or you're the most unhappy man. Because he's like, because even though you say these things, you yourself don't believe them. And then Yvonne asks him, because um, it's the question he asks, like, well, like, how do we prove the immortality of the soul? That way I know there can be, that not, that not everything is permissible then. And Dostoevsky says like, that, that, like the question can't be answered. Or uh, actually, Zosima, the, the 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 elder of the of the monastery, says it can't be answered, and this is Yvonne's then critique to to Alyosha with the Grand Inquisitor, where where Yvonne really lays it out in kind of a spiteful way, even where he's yes. frustrated with with the 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 unintellig- the seemingly unintelligibility to the answer to the questions that he's asking, and I would say fundamental to the problem of freedom is the problem of suffering. Yes, is what's in contention there. Is how do you have a God who's who's omnipotent, omnipresent, but still allows suffering? And those things seem to be at odds with one another. And that's why he then focuses on like, well, obviously, like if we have freedom, then why does he allow there to be suffering? So from these conclusions, we can say, well, there is no God mm-hmm. and everything is permissible. And even the, Yvonne also, he says like, it's not just the suffering of men, because if we, we were free, I could see how like their own choices lead to their suffering. But what I can't handle is the suffering of children. Yeah. Why do children suffer? And then Dostoevsky actually writes these tales of these two kids being um, actually by this wicked parent trapped in an outhouse overnight during a storm, and they freeze to death in the outhouse. And it's actually a real story that he's relating. It was actually mm-hmm. in the papers uh, locally during the time that he was writing this. Right. So it's a real story. Like, this actually happened. Like, these two poor children died in an outhouse from like, this crazy parent. And Yvonne's like, that's what I can't handle. That's Yvonne's response. Mm-hmm. And then Alyosha is speechless. Alyosha doesn't really have a response. Um, and that's where you think that, that a lot of people would say that Dostoevsky is an atheist, that, mm-hmm. that, that, that the, the, the unresponsiveness of Alyosha is Dostoevsky saying there is no answer to the questions posed by Yvonne. 
Um, and this is where we would say, well, that's wrong because yes. what he's doing is the novel doesn't always, uh, uh, he's not going to give you like, here's premise one, here's premise two, and here's the conclusion, but let's take it into experience. Like, what do we experience by suffering? And so the next scene actually is Alyosha leaving and he sees these kids throwing stones at another boy. And Alyosha himself goes and he actually covers the boy. And then the stones get thrown on him and he receives the stones. And then even the boy he saves kind of rejects him initially. He pushes him away and he runs away. And Alyosha follows him and he goes into his house and the boy's ashamed of where he lived. And he has a crazy mother who's like bedridden. He has a dying father and a little sister. And Alyosha comes into the home. And then what's beautiful, um, that by the end of the book, Alyosha has fully entered into this family. Um, and the little boy ends up getting sick and he's dying. That same boy who was getting stones thrown at him. And in this time, all of these boys have befriended this dying boy. And they're all around the room. And at the end of the book, Alyosha says, don't ever one of you make fun of this moment, this moment that we're sharing together. Like this is a holy moment that as this boy dies, that we actually receive him. And that uh, is Dostoevsky's response to suffering, that he takes it concretely that like, well, no, no, no. The Christian response is that Christ actually enters into the suffering. Like that's what he does. Right. So Christ on the cross takes your suffering and he actually redeems it. And he makes it something um, that can be a means and a vehicle of t d divine intimacy and theosis. And then in the same way, then we're like, well, what about our freedom then? So we see that Christ can enter into the suffering and transform that. But what about the freedom that we have as humans? And that's where, and that's where like the participation in the cross comes into play. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, well, your freedom is actually to help alleviate the suffering. Where so then the Christian response is you do that, you let them throw stones at you and you enter into that. Yeah. It's the, just that experience of, of reading the Grand Inquisitor um, and you're reading the critique and, and Ivan's just laying it all out there and then Alyosha doesn't say anything. Um, and just, and it's unsettling. Um, it's uncomfortable. You you do feel defeated. And that's, I think, so many times the experience of, yes. and, of we're suffering, we're confused, we don't know, we cry out to God and it it's like crickets. You know, you don't yes. hear anything from God necessarily. And, and and you feel that in the novel. And But then he leads you, as you were just saying, into into the, the mystery of it all. Well, even just what you're saying, like one of the, the things is that sometimes you find yourself being the Grand Inquisitor. Yes. Or in your suffering, you're like, why are you allowing this to happen? Yes. Um, well, in interest of time, I would like to get to a few novels if we can uh, today. Um, and so we did the 19th century. I'd like to move to the 20th century and bring up East of Eden, which I know is another yeah. one of our favorite books. Just so now. good. Um, so we got John Steinbeck. Um, it's basically his, I would say Genesis story. Yes, no, absolutely. Um, For sure. And... Uh, a great, incredible novel. Um, and spoiler alerts. I, I, spoil, mini spoiler alerts. <laughs> this coming. is like, this is the book where like, yeah, this we is will a serious spoiler alert. For this yes. one. Like, you need to read East of Eden. Yeah. Before uh, like this whole, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Uh, but I, I'll just, a little story is that the reason I read this book was because Father Athanasius read this book. Yes. And Father Athanasius read this book also while I was on pastoral year. Um, no, sorry. When I, actually, it was not pastoral. It was when I was a priest, uh, for just a newly ordained priest. I was doing campus ministry. He was on pastoral year and he reads the book. He, he finished, he couldn't stop reading it one night. Yeah. And it's like midnight or one in the morning. And he, he just wants to scream. He's so like, by the ending, it, it's so like incredible. He got so much energy. He just maybe the running, best ending of a book. running around the yeah. friary that he was in a few times <laughs> to get out the energy because he was so uh, overcome, best way to put it, by the ending. Um, I just want to go right there if we can. Um, 
Yes. Yeah. Sure. Is there anything you guys want to talk? I just, uh, okay. If you guys well, like to say some things, uh, it, well, no, we can go right there. I'm totally. I can't, with that. Uh, we're not gonna, we have to set it up a little bit, though. Yeah. I, I guess. Yeah, okay. So, I don't think we have to. I think we just got to read the book. I think we're just talking. Well, I, okay, I guess go the, ahead. The, the, the other thing I would say is that the, the, what makes the ending so great is he's playing with this idea uh, once again of freedom, of freedom yeah. within the human person, and then also, like, uh, kind of the psychology that comes out of the 1960s with Freud, with Jung. Um, all of these things of like you're you're really predetermined. All of these things are predisposed in you, yeah. and that your childhood totally determines who you're going to be. And so he's playing with that theme throughout the entire book, where like you're predetermined b- because of your experiences, and you're kind of stuck in that. There's no transcending that. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we're just gonna just Go jump right into it because this is definitely one of my my favorite books, and and just he is he is. He is in, in kind of giving a, a Genesis story. Um, it's it's east of Eden, you know, being dispelled from the garden. And so, if you kind of if you're looking for that as you're reading it for Genesis parallels, you, you'll see them um, with with Cain and Abel and Adam and Eve and and, and the different Genesis stories. And but the one story he's playing off of is 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 the Cain and Abel story, um, where where the Lord promises um, Cain, right? Um, yes. He promises Cain, where he, where he says to Cain that you know, um, where the, the you know the enemy is is prowling about. Um, it's right after Cain. So Cain, Abel's yes. offered the sacrifice. The yes. sacrifice has been accepted. That's right. Cain is offered a sacrifice that's not been accepted. That's right. And so basically, God confronts Cain because he's well, feeling he, he, he kills Abel. No, it's before. It's, it's after before they he, offer their sacrifice. It's after they have the sacrifice okay. before yes. he, yeah. he kills Abel, and it's it's the choice is made laid before him. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's I just want to give context. And so. The the one character spends uh, all this time trying to interpret a single word of this passage about what the Lord says um, and whether the Lord is saying, thou shall overcome, um, which is a, a, a command like that, that you shall do this, um, or whether it is um, thou will overcome, and, and that would be a promise that he's going to. Um, and then what he uh, ends up finally kind of translating the word as is that um, is, is thou mayest, um, thou mayest overcome. That it's not necessarily a command to do it. It's not necessarily a promise that you will, but but that you may, that you can. That that there is this 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 play of of freedom that participates in in the command or the promise that um, it's not predetermined. Um, is it just we're in Genesis chapter four in the yeah. middle of verse four? Yeah. Um, so it's Abel and Cain have just offered their sacrifice, and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. The Lord said to Cain, "Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, you will not be accepted, and if you do not do well, sin is lurking at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it." You um, must. That's a command, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and thou, thou mayest. You yeah, know, it's kind of getting into t- Tim, Tim Shaw. Yes, Tim, Tim Shaw. Tim Shaw. Hebrew, Tim Hebrew Tim well, Shaw, Tim yeah. Shaw. And so this is the question. And then obviously we know what Cain does. Yes. He kills Abel. Yes. Right. But God confronts Cain before that. He knows his countenance fall. He knows he's very angry. He confronts Cain and says, "You have a choice. Goods, goods there. You can choose good or evil's knocking at the door. It's lurking. Mm-hmm. Thou mayest." And so we've got this whole. And there's these two brothers. Um, and I'm kind of getting into plot, you know, explaining the plot. But For there's sure, two yeah. brothers. One is representing kind of the Abel figure. One's representing the Cain figure. Um, and finally, uh, Cain has kind of killed Abel in a sense. He's kind of sent, sent Cain, Abel off. 
And so it's Cain and his father. And the question is, what's going to happen? His father's mm-hmm. dying on his bed. Yeah. And, and well, the, and it's also that uh, the character walks in and is like, give him your blessing. Like, yes. Give him your blessing. Yeah. Right. So he's asking the father's blessing on while he's dying. Mm-hmm. And what's what's he say? But Tim Shell. Tim Shell. Tim Shell. Thou yeah. mayest. Thou mayest. And it's so beautiful. It's oh, like it's you said, one of the it's greatest endings. Yes. Uh, why? Because he's telling him you're free. Yeah. Like you've lived this cane like right. life your whole life, and, and to get his his father and his mother like his mother was a. a you know, adulterer and becomes a prostitute. Mm-hmm. And this Cain figure uh, um, kind of realizes it. He goes off the rails. He already was kind of a bad kid, but he goes really off the rails. He's just this really bad kid. And, and then it's like, thou mayest. You've got a choice yeah. set before you. And, and it's the confrontation that Steinbeck is giving to all of us. It says, you've got a choice. Like everything you do is, is your choice in a sense. Like mm-hmm. even the That's bad right. stuff, you know, it's kind of the devil made me do it. The devil did not make you do it. Like you have choice to make, yeah. every choice. Now we can talk about freedom gets taken away. There's addiction, et cetera. But sure. in, in a sense, like even that first time, there's always freedom. God, God that's, the, that's the greatest gift. We're getting back to Kabbalah's Karamazov, For the sure. problem of evil. Like what, why is there evil in the world? Because God's given us freedom. The gift he's given to us is freedom. We have free choice. We, can, we have the freedom to choose evil. And God loves us so much, we're not robots. Yeah. We actually have the freedom to choose evil. And he, we, he lives, allows us to live with the consequences of choosing evil. And, oh. and he gives us freedom. And it's the, most, it's the greatest gift he's given us. But um, there's the results that we see, which is evil and sin. And so when the father's saying, the blessing is, thou mayest. You have a choice. Yeah. What are you going to choose? Well, also in, in this example, too, I think with East of Eden, too, it's that what, um, what Steinbeck is painting, too, is that the, the older twin ha- has essentially done things that are unredeemable. Where even in his inner dialogue, he's like, I'm totally corrupt. I'm totally depraved. There's no help for me. Um, that I, I'm always going to be like this. Yeah. Um, and, and that's where, like, that's where he's playing with that, where it's like, well, no. Like, and there's something also I think just to emphasize again that there's something about the Father giving the blessing. Yes. That it's so important um, that it's the Father who says, you're not predetermined. You're not this. And you have the freedom to not be this, uh, this depraved person who you think you are. Yeah. And I think one of the one of the reflections I, I've just had just reading these these novels and and just encountering just well, I think kind of the, maybe what we're talking a lot about is just, just human freedom and our, our human capacity for evil and for sin and recognizing that that God has allowed all that God has made us this way and and so then you ask the question the, 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 I ask the question well, well why would you make it this way. Um, and then you just, then you just in- encounter how unafraid God is of our freedom, how God is not afraid to create us with freedom. God is not afraid to give us that level of freedom to go choose wrongly, to, to choose to reject him. Um, and that because, um, because he can redeem it. Because there's nothing, there's a redeemer. there is nothing there's... beyond his ability to redeem. So there's no human situation. There's no human depravity. There's no human sin. There's no human brokenness that God is afraid of and that God cannot redeem. Um, and so it is this just um, profound just reflection on on who God is and, and how God has made us. And I would say even just circle back, what you're talking about with that too is that um, a lot of times, like you can hear that, like and this is the this is the beauty of the novel again, is where you can hear you can hear these like these kind of five word sentences where like God is a redeemer, 
Um, your, your suffering can have meaning, but like there's a sense of where those can just be abstractions. But like when you're in suffering, when you're really suffering, when, when you just found out that someone you love has cancer or whatever it is, like it's hard to like have those. And so that's where the novel has a beautiful way of really like taking it and like, and you actually live the experience. You actually live it through where you can actually see these concretely done uh, and lived out where, where it's real. Those are like, not, not only are those sentences like in words, but they're actually communicating a real reality. That when you say like God can redeem everything, that, that, that that's real and that that can actually have a substantial transformer, transformative effect in your soul. And then what's the boy's response? He starts reading to his father. That's right. You know, he starts reading. Mm-hmm. He's cho- what does he choose? Hey, I'm, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be with dad right now. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to be with my father and I'm going to read to him on his deathbed. I'm going to choose to do the good thing, which is why I, God gives the freedom and what he wants us to choose him. He wants us to choose the good, the true, the beautiful. He wants us to choose virtue. Um, which is so beautiful. I, I, I know we're, we're just kind of plowing through a few few novels. I want to get to one a third novel okay. um, for our podcast. Um, just to kind of, we did the 18th, uh, so we did the 19th century, we did the 20th century. I want to do the 21st century. Okay. I want to do day. Island of the World. Um, oh boy. Michael O'Brien. Yeah. Oh, just, just, yeah, three, Part three. Three great novels. <laughs> yeah, that, seriously. Uh, yeah, yeah. Again, this, this one, a spoiler alert again, uh, yeah. because this has a huge spoiler. Uh, great book. Um, highly recommended. Oh, yeah, I, sure Michael O'Brien's a Catholic author. He's from Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, also an icon, iconographer. Yeah. Um, writes, you know, uh, beautiful, beautiful novels. Mm-hmm. And uh, Island of the Worlds uh, is arguably his best. Um, yeah. It's kind of debated uh, in that regard. But in one sense, it's great. I know, ask Bishop Olmsted, what are your three favorite novels? And he said, The Brothers Karamazov, Island of the Worlds, and Le Miserable. Uh, and so Island of the World, obviously... Uh- uh, is is a great novel. I had read some other Michael O'Brien's before Island of the World, and I read Island of the World, and I was like, he might be one of the great authors. Mm-hmm. Like reading that, I was like, this is right up there uh, with the Brothers K for me at least. Like my my subjective opinion, yeah. like with the Brothers yeah. K, Tolstoy. Um, um and so uh, yeah, this 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 what he does. It's one of those novels that I read, and actually. I talk about how novels can lead you to prayer. Yes. Like it led me to prayer. Like I took that novel to the chapel with me, not to read in the chapel, but like what I'd read. Like even if it was the night before, so you read before I go to bed, I read it. And the next day I find myself in the holy hour contemplating and praying through these questions that he's mm-hmm. asking in this, this novel. Um, and and I, I, it's hard for me to, you know, it's not a lot of time to pick just one scene yeah. that kind of really had the great impact for me personally. Um, but I think it's, and again, this huge spoiler alert for you, um, that it, he, so he, he's, in, he's this Croatian guy. Uh, he's with his wife um, and they get separated during the war. He thinks she's dead. She thinks he's dead. Um, and she gets up in America and gets married. Um, and then he's got a long journey, kind of follow his journey. He ends up in America um, and he's actually sees her like playing a concert. She's a musician. She's playing a concert. And, and he realizes that she's alive, yeah. but that she's married and she's got a whole family now. She's yeah. got a whole like new way of life. And, and his first reaction is to go and, and to just, just run up. She's in the middle of the, the playing and he wants to just run up in the middle of it and just scream. But like, I felt like in tears, she's just crying in the back and, and yet he holds himself back. And, uh, and then he, um, and then, then he actually doesn't even talk to her afterwards, mm-hmm. which I find very shocking. I didn't I, like it. It hurt me that it, that it didn't happen. Yeah, no, you want him to storm not, the stage. It's not yeah. what I wanted. I yeah. wanted you want him to storm the stage. And then he actually goes and talks to a priest, mm-hmm. and he says, "Like, do I have to tell her that I'm alive? 
Right. Like she's married and da 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 da. And, and the priest actually tells him because she married a Catholic and was married in the Catholic Church and they hadn't been married in the Catholic Church. And he's all like, no, actually, like her marriage is valid. Even yeah. though you are alive, she didn't know you were alive. Like her marriage is actually valid in the Catholic Church. Because um, he was like, I, if, if, if she's in sin, I want to tell her. Like yeah. if this isn't a valid marriage because she's previously married. And, and so he actually doesn't tell her. He never actually contacts her. Mm hmm. And you're just, it hurts so bad. Like, I didn't like it. I didn't like the novel because of it uh, if for a long time. Um, but I've actually am coming around. Uh, I don't know if I'm fully all around. In the, in the, yeah, like, enjoying so that it, scene. It cut you deep. Because it hurts so bad. But um, it, it, because um, he actually, in, in a sense, he does the virtuous thing. It's not what you want him to do. And in a sense, and he does eventually meet his daughter. So it actually ends up that he had a daughter with her and didn't even know it. Yeah. And he meets the girl, actually, and turns out his daughter is this beautiful reconciliation. He goes, because he meets her at the funeral. He goes to his wife, ex, his former wife who's passed away, her exactly. funeral, meets the daughter. And, uh, and yeah, it, it's, um, and then they have this relationship. Um, and you're kind of like, well, why? You should have just gone immediately. But um, he recognized that, that for the sake of that family and what that family was, like to him to intrude, like his wife still loved him. Like yeah. and still missed him and still thought he was dead. And kind of for her sake, he wasn't gonna do it. But what I, but for me, it was like that this man would take on that suffering. Yes. That what he wanted to do was storm the stage. What he wanted to do was go and just tell her. But he's but it, it, in his conscience, what he felt was I have to I have to endure the suffering of knowing that she's alive and knowing that what I want almost more than anything else is to talk to her again. Mm-hmm. To you know, to to hold her again, to reconcile with her, to be with her again, and that I have to deny myself. That 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 pleasure, that what I want, because it's what's best for her and her family. And so I'm gonna deny myself this desire I have for that. And I just, I thought it was really, really uh, beautiful. Um, don't, always, don't necessarily fully agree with it, but I think he's, he's, doing, he's doing a virtuous thing and a beautiful thing. And, and I think Michael Bryan shows that through this character throughout the novel. Um, for me, this isn't on that same level of great novels that these other two are, um, in a sense. Um, that, but it, it, there's certain scenes, certain moments, I think, touch the greatness of a great novel. I think, I think one of the things that it does for me, it makes me reflect upon and just recognize that that love is a lot of things. And, and one of the most fundamental things that love is, is sacrifice that you really prove you the measure to which you love someone to the degree in which you're willing to sacrifice for it. And he loves her so much, uh, but sacrificed, like not contacting her um, and, and really carrying the weight and the pain and the burden of that um, and, and did not subject her to that, um, that, that he did not disturb the peace of her life, um, that she didn't do anything wrong. Um, she didn't do anything sinful. She didn't betray him in any ways. However, however unfair it might have felt for him, you know, and how, how many times he had been wronged in his life and, and that he did not indulge that. He did not give into um, this sense of, of justice of what he was owed, that, um, but that he carried that. He, and he sacrificed um, his heart for her and, and really, for me, proves the measure of his love for her by, by that sacrifice, whether you agree with that or not. It's and the beauty it, of it. you can bring up another scene yeah. too. Uh, yeah, no, I'm trying to like really... I'm reflecting on it, and uh, not one particular scene comes to mind. But I just remember it's like just totally experiential. But I just remember reading, it, and there are moments where I was like, I don't know what's happening right now. Um, but there's like 
I'm connecting with this and like I'm a better like I, I'm a better person now. Like and I don't even know what that means saying it, but like there's just moments where there's a couple of scenes where he just captures it, where he just really like like a moment and experience. Um and even like the times where I think kind of what we're talking about is he'll set up these moments um where the main character he, he's just totally in love with these things. And and he'll, and he'll make it like a beautiful love too. It's not a love that's like moving into like um possession, but like this freedom and love. And he, and he'll make you fall in love with the things that the character's falling in love with. And then he'll take it away. And then, and like sometimes brutally, sometimes it'll move on other places. Like, and there's kind of this ongoing theme of uh, throughout his life that the Lord asked him to give up everything. We're like, like this is taken, this is mm-hmm. taken, this is taken, this is taken. But what you see actually through each moment, um, that the, these things that he loves, like as they're taken away, that he does suffer. And he goes into kind of a, some dark periods in his life, a lot of anger and stuff like that. But it actually purifies his love. It actually makes it to where he's capable of loving. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though he hated, it was actually, I would say, through the suffering he experiences that he's unable to actually even love those people and actually desire their good. Yeah. Um, we are out of time. Um, but I hope you enjoyed this. Um, we, we would like to know what you guys want to listen to. So please, if you want to talk more about novels, you want to talk about other things, you have topics you want to talk about, please go to info at becomefire.faith or just go to our web uh, our website, becomefire.faith and you can find our email or contact us and, and just say, hey, we're talk more about novels, do, do three more episodes on, on these or we're talk about this novel in particular, um, et cetera. Um, and our, our question today, it's kind of a fun question to get to know you a little bit better. We've talked about five novels of these past two episodes a little bit we talked about david copperfield yes uh we touched on the odyssey and then we talked about today about the brothers k uh east of eden and uh island, island of the world but other than these yes. maybe some you got per, uh, piqued your interest in some of these one novel that you would recommend people to read not necessarily your favorite novel um but people today maybe haven't been novel readers maybe they haven't gotten into novels maybe they're kind of like i want to read a great novel but i've never like i read them in school but i and i'm busy with kids um, great thing. Use audiobooks um, if, if you drive a lot. Uh, I highly highly recommend that as well. But if you could recommend one novel today, one great novel that you would say, hey, read this novel. Uh, I really want to add it to the list um, that of, of novels that we recommend that you read. That's an excellent question. Um, I mean, do I, am I allowed to say the books we just talked about? Um, so I think, I think I would definitely say Island of the World. Um, I, mean, I think that's I find it to be very accessible. Um, it's 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 written in English, so you're not getting a translation. So I think there's something uh, of great value of reading something that's actually written in your your, your native language. So uh, Island of the Order, any any of the Michael O'Brien novels. Um, other than that, man, that's a really good question. I'm um, I guess if you so some of the classics are like some of them get up to like a thousand pages, so that can be a little daunting if you've never read like a big book. Yeah. So you could kind of like dip your toes in um, some novellas. Um, so Willa Cather has a lot of great works. Yeah. Um, like particularly Death Comes from the Archbishop, I think is a great book. It's a Catholic book too, um, if you're looking for something explicitly Catholic. Um, but then also Evelyn Waugh, I can't think of what. Bride's Head Revisited. Bride's Head Revisited, yeah. also one of the, the Catholic classics. Um, I'm going to throw out a third one. Um, but also Michael O'Brien's A Lighthouse, about 200 pages, very good. Yeah. Um, well, another good Catholic novel we're just going on that is you're gonna have to remind me of the name, but it's about the Mexican priest who uh, was ki- during oh, the revolution. Um, um, the Power and the Glory. The Power, Power and the Glory. The glory. Uh, yeah, great book, highly recommend it. I'm gonna go with The Hobbit. Oh, that's not Bernanos, that's Graham Greene, I apologize. Yeah, it's Graham Greene. Graham Greene, uh, yeah. Graham Green, yeah. That's uh, uh, the, the Hobbit. 
Yeah. By J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, even the Narnia series, yep. the, the Lord of the Rings series. These are great novels. I know we talked about those a little bit earlier, um, that, that it's a little bit different fantasy and science fi do something different. Um, but particularly for me, I, the, the Bilbo Baggins, I find to be an incredible character. And especially it's, it's, a, it's a kid's book in a sense. It's a young adult book. Um, but I, but it, it's just easily accessible. But something we really, I think, I've, I find myself reflecting a lot upon the character of Bilbo and what he does and how he, he always makes the right decision, even though he always thinks I'm going to make the wrong decision. Uh, and it's, it, I, I found it a beautiful insight into character. Amen. So thank you all so much. Uh, Brother Paul, quick prayer to end us. Yeah, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we give you all the glory, honor, and praise. We just ask that you would just send forth your Holy Spirit to enlighten our minds, to open up our hearts. That, um, Lord, that uh, Bonaventure says that all the created things reveal the goodness, power, and wisdom of God, and that, that as we read these novels, as we encounter the beauty that you've created, that more and more our hearts will be turned towards you, who are true beauty itself. Um, and that through the mirror of our own souls and the reflection upon these deep things that we would come into greater and deeper intimacy with you. Um, and that that really is what our hearts desire, that when all these things fade away, that, that only you would be left. Um, and we just ask this all uh, in the name of Jesus and uh, through the intercession of our Blessed Mother. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Become Fire podcast. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit can be found online at www dot become fire dot faith that's dot f-a-i-t-h the franciscan friars of the holy spirit are also a 501c3 charitable organization if you feel called in any way to give financially to their mission please go to www.becomefire.faith slash give that's become fire dot faith slash give may the lord give you his peace we'll see you next time